I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the movie, movie lovers. lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we start off with the weekend review, what movies and TV shows we've been watching since the last episode of the Movie Lovers. Move on to the main event, which is a main topic of discussion or a main review, and then finish up with film faves. Our respective list of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic, often marching backwards through time. In this episode, finally, we are looking at the year 2019, since the year has come to a close. So we will be, as our main event, going through and discussing our biggest surprises and our the best movies and the worst movies and all sorts of things regarding the year 2019. And then film faves will be our, uh, us going through our favorite movies of the year 2019. So that should be fantastic. But first, we have some weekend review of stuff that we need to catch up on to discuss. Before we do, programming note, apologize for the delay in this podcast. We had one thing happened after another that just threw us way out of schedule drove me nuts first of all we were supposed to once we got back from a vacation trip to los angeles we were supposed to hit the ground running finish watching one or two movies left that we needed to watch then record this episode then have it out on time on tuesday January 7th, as expected. But then, oh, wonderful thing, Shanna came down with a cold. So It she wasn't was, really my fault. It wasn't, to be fair, it wasn't entirely her fault. But she was in no condition to record. And then, and then much <laughs> to my chagrin, despite my best efforts, putting on vinyl suits, covering myself up in blankets and everything, I caught her dreaded plague. And then I was in no condition to record. And then on the same day that I caught this dreaded plague, I was in a car accident. So this podcast episode is very late, and I greatly apologize. Hopefully this will get to you as quickly as possible, and hopefully we'll get back on track very soon. Uh, but it's also delayed, of course, my writing, because I was in no condition to think, to focus, to finish writing, anything so i apologize for the articles on the gibson review being delayed as well hopefully you're starting to see those be produced as this episode comes out as well please accept my apologies and 30 lashings and everything so uh did you have anything else to add about that did you say 30 lashings i did yes. what's the matter with you well you know penance and all there's something wrong with i you. really hate being off schedule wow yeah Okay, you don't need to have lashings. All right. Here we go. Oh, that's up to the public to decide. But. No, it's not. <laughs> We're not starting a thing here. <laughs> yeah, I think, that, I think that that's about to sum up. So let's get on to the week in review. Shanna, apparently in all that time, since our last episode, you didn't watch nothing. I've been watching shows oh. that I'm not ready to talk about yet. I see. Very good. Fair enough. All right. Hopefully you'll take notes so we can hear all about them in the next episode, maybe. I was catching up on 2019 movies while I was laid up, and I caught up with three. The first one was The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers, I believe his name is. He's the director of The Witch, which 
was a fantastic horror film, one of the best horror films of the decade. I believe I wrote about it in October uh, as part of that list of best of the decade. Then this movie came out around the same time. We didn't get to go see it. Shanna, as I understand, you weren't terribly passionate about seeing The Lighthouse. No, I wasn't, even though it looked like a beautiful black and white piece. Mm. It was not high on the radar, no. Cool. So I got to watch it on my own as you know, one of those boxes to check and make sure I've taken consideration for this year. And I have to say, it's got fantastic cinematography, as you suggested it might, because of the black and white and everything. Mm -hmm. It has fantastic acting, as it stars Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, doing very interesting work. And it's kind of an interesting descent into madness, especially on Robert Pattinson's part. But I feel like... It has all these great elements, uh, great score and sound design as well, but none of it, like all these parts, never cohere into a great whole for me. I, I think that you know, twenty nineteen has been an interesting year of weird ass, challenging movies where you know we had High Life, I think it was called in space. We had uh, that Her Smell movie with Elizabeth Moss. And we have this movie, another movie I'm going to talk about. I just don't think that this, like, all these great parts really cohered into a convincing whole. I think Robert Eggers did a much better job with The Witch in, in you know, bringing everything together for a solid film. This one, eh, not so much. I give it a 6 out of 10 for the efforts and all the different disparate parts that attempted to come together. But yeah. I was mildly disappointed by The Lighthouse. Very surprised, actually. Expected great things. Didn't quite measure up to my expectations. Mm. The next one, also weird, also very challenging, was Uncut Gems by a couple, a pair called the Safdie Brothers. I'm not terribly familiar with the Safdie Brothers. Are you? No. No. They came out with a movie two years ago, I think, uh, starring Robert Pattinson. Coincidence. That was supposed to be really, really good. I never caught up with. I can't remember what that one is off the, off the top of my head. But uh, they came out with this movie that stars Adam Sandler, of all people, as a jeweler who is just got a huge gambling problem. Like, he's he owes huge debts, and he's always, like, the things that he gets that he could use to pay off the debts, he ends up... Um, essentially betting and gambling with to try to get a bigger payoff and you know it's just constantly putting himself in worse situations or taking what could get him out of this bad situation and putting that at risk and so as a result uncut gems is a film that is full of anxiety it is relentlessly desperate to the point of exhaustion. After a certain point in this movie, I eventually gave up caring what was going to happen to Adam Sandler's character. And that is until the final moments of the movie, where I actually started to care again. I don't mean that to say that this is not a movie that 
like one can care about and get invested in what's happening. It's just it's just so exhausting of everything that everybody that that this character is going through that I was just like I'm sitting this out and just going to go along with the ride. It is a ride for sure. It's just not a ride that is for everybody. I which surprised me actually. I expected something a little more conventional than what I got but that's probably on me because I'm not familiar with the Safdie brothers and what they bring to the table uh, from what I understand this isn't terribly unusual for them it does have a fascinating unusual score what else can I say about it it's crazy but I think it's more successful and it's it's crazy and um, challenge, challenging nature than The Lighthouse is. So I give that a 7 out of 10. I didn't love it. I don't think it squeezed into my top 20 of the year. I mean, it's it's getting hailed as one of the 10 best movies of the year. It's not that high for me. Uh, yeah, I think it's not even in the top 40 for me. But it is more successful in what it's trying to do, I think, than The Lighthouse is. It's just not exactly an, a, a fun night at the movies. So go in with those kinds of challenging expectations to Uncut Gems. I will, I will say that you will probably find one of Adam Sandler's career best performances. Is it worth the awards over some of the others out there this past year? No, probably not. But... Definitely a highlight in his career. So that's Uncut Gems. And lastly, I saw a lovely little movie that was one of those indie darlings, sweet little things that was recommended. Uh, some people praise the hell out of it more than others. It's called Peanut Butter Falcon. It's an indie film that stars Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, Thomas Hayden Church and numerous other people. I can't remember off the top of my head. Bruce Dern has a couple scenes in it. Uh, it's essentially about this autistic uh, young man who um, he wants to break free of the home that he is living in. It's like a care facility home type thing. So that way he can run off and meet this wrestler guy that he's seen on this VHS tape hundreds of times uh he wants to go to this wrestling school so he kind of goes rogue he runs into shia labeouf and befriends shia labeouf who's on his own run from people who want to hurt him for reasons i can't quite recall at any rate they go on the run and it's just like a, a sweet little film uh from what i understand the the creators the director and slash writers of the film they ran into the the lead, the guy who would become the lead, who has Down syndrome. He said he wanted to be a movie star, and they kind of said, well, you know, like, people with Downs aren't represented in film. It's not going to happen. You're not going to be a movie star. And he was, like, very emotionally distraught about this. So they're like, you know what? Let's make, a make you a movie star. Let's make a movie with you as the main character. So they did. And they integrated parts of his personality and stuff into it. And it works, and the dude's actually really good in it. So uh, that's fantastic, and I hope to see future work for him uh, because of this film. And the cast is really sweet, and it actually makes me enjoy Dakota Johnson. That can be difficult to do if yeah. you weren't a fan of... Um... 
Yep. Nonsense. We we're thinking of the same damn thing. What Something the hell about is gray. It? Gray, yeah. yeah. Fifty Shades of Gray. Yes, thank you. That, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Uh, she's really good, enjoyable, lovely, very pretty, awesome, great screen presence in this film. So I enjoyed her. It's a lovely little film. Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10. I wouldn't overly praise it as one of the best movies of the year or anything like that. But it is definitely worth checking out. So that's my week in review. We have a couple things to talk about dating back weeks ago. <laughs> the first one is, let's knock it out, Shanna, Parasite by Bon Joon-ho. We caught up with this film that was very quickly becoming a must-see film. It had been at the time like on 40-plus best of the year list at number one by the way numerous others and other locations on theirs those lists shanna uh what did you think of parasite a lot of people are describing parasite as you know this one line of it's an unemployed family that gets employed by a very wealthy family and they run into an unexpected incident because why not? Of course, that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, once you start watching the movie, you're like, this isn't going to end well. And it's really unexpected and unique. And I think it's refresh a refreshing take on depicting the class gaps, depicting how people who serve families can be treated. It's obviously not always the case. I have served many families as a nanny and I've had very wonderful families to serve. What really stands out to me about this film is what family is. You know, you have this, it's two families mm -hmm. and to each of them, their, their family is what matters at the end of the day, and they choose to love their family no matter if they share blood or not. It's just, it. I mean, that's a bit weird, but they love their family members no matter what they did, and they have empathy for their family, both of these families. Even though they're of these different classes, there's just there's a lot of love for each other that's shown, and it's just... It's really interesting. Sometimes I think the family that got hired is is doing something very strange and maybe there's something that's going to come up that shows that they don't love each other, that they resent each other, but that never happens. Mm. It's this it's just this consistent I'm going to do what I need to do for my family. I don't really care how it happens. I like seeing the struggle of the the impoverished family. I like seeing the glitz of the wealthy family. So it's just really interesting. And there's lots of little things that happen, lots of little displays of class differences. And some are amplified and some are very subtle. So I thoroughly enjoy this film. I give it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, uh, this is a great film. It, it has an incredible, like, corkscrew tension like build up of tension throughout the film you know uh, it's also a unique i mean it is a south korean film but it's uh, partially unique in that how american films would depict the poor as the heroes and the rich as being very 
insensitive, crass, very uh, maybe emotionally bankrupt and stuff. And this movie's opposite of that, in a way. The poor are very amoral and unpleasant in this in this uh in this film and it's the the rich who are who are naive they're sweet they're very innocent they are hosts to parasites in this and i i don't i find that interesting i think that the movie is very meaty and thought-provoking i think that the way the movie's able to emphasize smell is is a brilliant and really cool plot device in the film uh, that was very impressive to me and it has a brilliant final shot that makes you like rethink the feeling that you have at the end of the film that i won't spoil but it's it's fantastic and it turns the film into a very cynical film in a, in a way that I wish I could explain. But I'm sure that we'll hear more about Parasite as this episode continues. I definitely, you know, you might be right. You know, it might be worthy of a 9 out you of 10. You know I'm right. <laughs> Let's be honest, yeah. <laughs> it might be worthy of a 9 out of 10, but I'm definitely committing to an 8 out of 10 on this thing. It is one of the best films of the year, for sure. That's... Parasite, if you have not seen it, rush to any theater nearby that is playing it. Next, we have Bombshell. This is a based-on-real-life film starring Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie, Kate McKinnon, John Lithgow. Charlize Theron. Theron, thank you. I knew I was forgetting someone major. And it is about the Roger Ailes uh, scandal, the guy who created Fox News, how he treated women, in that network how he treated his female talent what he expected of them the entire atmosphere and everything that he and did and how he saw the world and yes and how it mm-hmm. all came to a head in 2016 so shanna what did you think of bombshell was it everything you were expecting and hoping for with the trailer i knew nothing about the true story uh-huh. you know i saw the trailer and i saw that it's an asshole and women are going to go up against him. And I thought, okay, cool. Yeah, obviously I'm going to watch it. This was at times a very difficult movie to watch. Mm. Because I've been a victim. Uh, a lot of women have. So a lot of women, I think, will be able to relate to this film. Uh, gain insight into... A trauma they might have be able to process those feelings maybe by seeing what was happening with these three women in particular because it focuses on three women yes uh, and it should be said that margot robbie's is fictional composite whereas uh, charlie's theron plays megan kelly and nicole kidman plays gretchen carlson Yeah, you know, it shows the bravery of Gretchen Carlson. She had to be brave. She had to buck up in order to do what she had to do to get John Lithgow's character, uh, Roger Ailes, busted, essentially. Mm. Uh, She had to eat a lot of shit, Mm. uh, as a lot of women who are in this kind of situation do. Uh, Megyn Kelly, you know, had really done you know i get a sense that she had really worked hard at creating what she was doing so did gretchen but like a lot of women 
weren't going to say something as long as they were okay. Uh, what's interesting about this film is Kayla, the Margot Robbie character, mm. serves this really interesting perspective on assault on women. She gets assaulted when Megan Kelly approaches her. Margot Robbie is like, well, why didn't, why didn't you warn other girls? It mm. would have been nice to have been warned. Yeah. And that's... That little piece there is something that is so true. And I'm really glad that they addressed it because it's this great reminder of you should be warning girls. You should be warning young women. If someone's not a particularly uh, who the girl might think, you need to warn others. And I ran into this situation too. You know, my assault one of my assault experiences was somebody was very touchy and a year later I was still working for this person and another girl started working for him and she came to me and she said do you know what he just did to me and I'm like what happened and she explained and I was like yeah he did that to me too and she really called me out she said why didn't you warn others because that's just always been the culture. You don't warn anyone else because you just accept that it's going to happen. So I'm really, I know I'm carrying on, but I'm really glad that that was addressed with that character. I'm glad that a fictionalized character existed because she probably represents a lot of, a lot of people yeah. that were, you know, a victim of Roger Ailes. So I like this film. Mm -hmm. I would give it a seven out of 10 only because... Uh, the performances were great, but like something was missing. Um, it's good that it was made. Yeah. But it's a seven out of ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to speak briefly on that point that you just made, it, it adds a a certain nuance to how even victims can be complicit in things that are happening in these environments. I I think that it's a very nuanced film. It asks a lot of questions you know, regarding this subject matter i think it has a, a strong cast but really charlie's theron is the the one that's a standout in particular mm -hmm. as megan kelly to me charlie's theron's just a rock star and she really sells us in. and you know margot robbie has a couple really strong scenes as well in fact one of those scenes, not to give anything particular away, but it's fascinating. You know, this is directed by Jay Roach, who did a couple of political films in the past. I think it was recounting Game Change, and he's also most famous for Austin Powers movies. It's interesting how he is a, a male director confronting male gaze. And he does that in one of Margot Robbie's scenes. And I, I think that's really fascinating. I wish I had more time to get into that or more uh, capability to get into that in particular. But it is a strength of the film, how the film does challenge male gaze. And it's created by a man. It does, however, let, leave me wondering at the end how much things have changed since these events. Roger Ailes is out, but did the environment really change that much? What... What sort of things were put into place? Well, you know, there's some mixed messages. Roger in the Ailes end. was paid significantly to get out. Victims right. were not compensated nearly enough comparatively. Sure. Yeah. So it leaves a lot of questions. I feel that I wish it kind of like spent just a, just a few minutes 
smoothing over and answering. But I do agree with you. It's a seven out of ten as well. Mm. It's uh, it's not the you know knockout of the park that I was hoping for, but it definitely hits it out into right field. It's it's worth worthy because of that. So that's Bombshell, and then we just saw Little Women, which was by Greta Gerwig, produced by Amy Pascal and Denise Denovi. This is, of course, the latest adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's classic novel that's uh, apparently set during the Civil War. Uh, Shanna, you're, you and I are both similar in that we're not terribly familiar with the source material. We haven't really seen any previous movie versions of Little Women. Is that right? Maybe you, you've seen a little bit. You've seen a little bit of. One. I've seen a little bit of the the '94 one. Okay. And not not enough and so long ago that i can't quite recall my experience with it all right so just barely a little bit of experience more than me like Um, i know there's four daughters i know dad's away mom's a good person all the daughters are good people right 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 so what did you think you know you're a big fan of lady bird greta gerwig's directorial uh lone directorial debut what did you think of little women I really enjoyed this film. I, I love Greta Gerwig. I feel like she's very honest, sincere, and and truthful. I know those are all like the same word, but <laughs> well, honest I just and sincere is not. Those are I feel ones. like she's very respectful of a story, and she's very intimate in telling it. And I feel like her and Saoirse Ronan are a great team. Everyone's performance in this film was amazing. I I know you feel like the fourth sister didn't have much of an arc but i thought that still in my thunder here i i thought that she had the hardest arc i thought she had the arc where you have to be okay with death this story has been around a long time if you haven't been exposed to it and now you have been i'm sorry but not um (laughs) you're talking about spoiling yeah Ah. we all know (laughs) how this goes on some level sort of Uh, i really loved the telling of the story i loved i loved all the woman i love that the mother you know is a mother she doesn't show that she's angry she tries to be her best self in front of all her girls and when Sosha ronan's character is like you get angry and the mother's like yeah mm. but i really i have 40 years of practice and i really try not to mm-hmm. and that was such an important line to me yeah and totally made me cry because, you know, it's good to hear that. Yeah. That's what a lot of this movie is. There's all these lines that are really good to hear, that are really truthful about life. And I'm really glad that it got made. And I think that's what... I don't have the previous viewing experience to compare it to anything. But I definitely see Greta in this film. And I can't wait to see what else she makes. Yeah, I think this is a terribly moving and beautiful film. I, I was probably moved by half of the film. Um, I don't know why, but it just so much of it worked on me. I think it has an incredible cast and crew. I already mentioned the producers and the director. It has Alexander Desplat doing the uh, score. You have some of the best talents of today with Emma Watson, Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh. Huge, huge year for Florence Pugh, Laura Dern, Timothy Chalamet, 
Tracy Letts, Baba Odenkirk, Chris Cooper, and all of that. And then we come to Meryl Streep. Jesus, Louise. So fantastic ensemble cast, really. One of the best of the year. I do think if I were to find any weaknesses, it is that A, Beth, I don't know if it's any fault of the actresses at all, really. I think it's really the writing. Beth is probably the weakest link. She's the one that's the least developed. But you feel her loss so greatly about halfway in the film or so. Eliza Scanlon is uh, who plays Beth. And then also there is another love interest by Louis Girl, who I'm not familiar with. But I feel like he's kind of poorly developed as well. I, I won't say too much about him because it's kind of spoilery territory you know we try to stick with the first 20 minutes of a movie plus whatever you <laughs> <Except> see me <laughs> yeah plus whatever you see in a trailer and since i this is my first exposure truly to a story that i know i should have been exposed to long ago i'm just going to you know entertain the possibility that that's true for other people as well but uh chalamet is fantastic i really felt for him in the film there's a line he says at one point again with the purpose of being vague, he says, and I'll watch. And my heart just breaks for him. He's just so great. Yeah, there's all these great things in it that I really appreciate. And one of the things that Gerwig did bring to it that I understand is displaced time. It's not linearly told. It kind of jumps around in time. And sometimes that's the strength of the film. Sometimes I have a hard time telling where we are in the you know sequence of events in these girls lives but all in all this is a stellar film it's almost everything i hoped for and uh it's it's you know one of those that you should rush out and see as well great family film great mother daughter film great gal ladies night film it's it's everything so that's oh, little women i think i'd give this a nine out of ten oh. everyone's performances are so amazing wow I love the way the story was told. I love the characters. Wow, that's fantastic. I give it an 8 out of 10 myself. Mm. All right, so lastly, just to spend a couple minutes, not too much, but just a couple minutes, we were going to talk about the Golden Globe nominees. But the the, the, the award show's come and gone (laughs) since then. And so now we're going to talk just briefly about the Golden Globe winners and the results. Any impressions, thoughts, opinions that we have. And maybe even what we expect to see from the Oscars, which will be announced, will have been announced Monday morning of this week. So, Shanna, Golden Globes. Uh, It's not my favorite awards ceremony. Okay. It definitely was not my favorite award ceremony this year. The best part of it was Ricky Gervais. Really? Um, I really thought Ellen DeGeneres and oh Tom God. Hanks getting yeah, their you're awards. you're actually right. <laughs> really great speeches. Yeah. Kate McKinnon's testimony of Ellen was fantastic. Uh, there was a couple other great speeches when Michelle Williams, surprisingly won for Fosse Verdon, she made a great speech about opportunities for women and stuff. But uh, let's, let's focus on a, a couple highlights. Kate or... Blanchett was good with her speech for Australia. Did Kate Blanchett win an award? No, she like presented something. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I didn't remember uh, that. But let's let's talk uh, really briefly about any surprises or any any impressions in terms of who actually won what. 
uh, that we have just uh, just highlights, disappointments, or things that we were thrilled by. Uh, let's start with best comedy of the year. Uh, it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, did you have any? Would that did that surprise you? Were you pulling for that film? What, what are your thoughts? You know, at, the, at that point, I had only seen it once, and I was really stressed out during my viewing, viewing experience because there were two dogs. So, <laughs> and Shannon has a thing about dogs in films. Yeah. She hopes and, she uh, you know, D- Quentin's already tense, mm-hmm. the tense king. So, uh, I was actually hoping that Jojo Rabbit would get some some love. So, I was surprised. Really? Once upon a time in Hollywood got it. Oh wow! Uh, whereas I just I figured it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Knives Out. Uh, what best drama? Best drama was 1917, the World War One war film. This totally made sense to me because, you know, if anything, cinematography wise, you can tell it's you can tell it's a masterpiece. You can tell they're doing yeah. something really different and very technically driven. Uh, you know, if you see the the little five minute thing that tells you about the filmmaking. That they show in theaters? Yeah, it's like a promotion thing that they're showing in theaters. I I mean, I hoped that marriage story would get it just Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's so such a wonderful story. But nineteen seventeen got it and that makes sense. I we haven't seen that yet. I was actually really surprised. I thought for sure that Marriage Story or The Irishman was going to nail that one. So you know, we just—it's one of the few films we have to catch up with and see for ourselves. Yeah. And surprisingly, you're interested in it, and it's a war film. So I wasn't surprised that Sam Mendes won for Best Director because of the direction in 1970. Uh, yeah, but so I guess that's why I was hoping Marriage Story would mm. get Best Drama, mm-hmm. and then filmmaking wise director would get it yeah so that's why 1917 was a surprise for me any other awards you really want to hit on real quickly i was really surprised by nominations of actors i was i was super surprised lupita nyongo wasn't nominated for us her performance is is just it's just so pristine and amazing i was surprised that nothing and no one was nominated from last um black man in san francisco Mm. Uh, you know, I felt like The Farewell deserved a director nomination because if you look at those performances, you look at placement of things, you can tell the director's fingerprints are all over there. And I just, I was so shocked that she wasn't nominated, at least. Ricky Gervais made this comment about, you know, no female directors. And then lots of articles were written about where are all the um, the African-American actors nominations. And they, they are out there. Yeah. They are out there. And they're not in here so i was i was shocked to see how white the nominations were mm. i was even more shocked that renee zellweger won but you know maybe i'm just on a, a train of hate i don't know well we mm. haven't seen judy from by all accounts she's the only good thing about that rather standard biopic but uh i was surprised too uh, by that and also surprised Lupita Nyong'o was not nominated for us because she's amazing in that film. People need to watch it again to remind themselves. Walking Phoenix for Joker, I was super happy. Yeah. Kind of surprised because I felt like that movie didn't get enough love, so I was happy oh, about that. Oh, really? I think it's getting too much love, but I do feel like he's very deserving of that award because without him... There isn't a whole lot to that movie. Mm. I was super excited about Aquafina winning for The Farewell. Mm. Uh, that made me really happy because 
you know, I love that film. Well, and it I just makes sense too. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a comedy. I think it being pigeonholed as a comedy is a little odd, but she's very deserving of, of recognition. Yeah. Taron Egerton getting it for Rocket Man was surprising to me. Mm. Although I guess his, he fits better into his category than Aquafina. So yeah, fine. that's true. Um, and he was probably one of the best things about Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to watch it again. <laughs> Brad Pitt winning for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was hoping Joe Pesci would get some love, but yeah. at least he was nominated. Yeah, that, that was surprising for me as well. I don't want to go uh, into every single category because uh, we're running short on time. Uh, but uh, was there any uh, anything else that was really important to you to hit on? I was happy that Parasite won. Best foreign film. Mm-hmm. I, yep. I, I feel like we all know that that's going to win at the Oscars. That seems like a no brainer to me. Yeah. All right. So, looking ahead, just tell me your predictions for Best Picture nominees at the Academy Awards. Well, that's putting me on the spot, don't you think? What, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> what, just really quickly, what do you think are definite locks for Best Picture nominations? We all know how this goes. We all know I don't get what I want. Okay. Obviously, nineteen seventeen is going to get nominated. Okay. I would love if Little Woman, The Farewell, Parasite, Us, Marriage Story got recognition of some kind somewhere. I don't fucking care where it gets recognition. I just really want these films to get recognition. Um, nominated for Best Picture, though. I mean, I feel like it could be. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there's room for The Farewell and Parasite. Because here's what I'm thinking for Best Picture nominees. Based on track record in awards season, I'm thinking definitely Parasite, Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, 1917. And then from there, it's possibly going to be Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Knives Out, and either The Farewell or The Joker. In all honest, or even Uncut Gems, possibly. I'd be shocked if it's a full 10 because it rarely is for whatever reason. But uh, so if it's a, just a nine, I think it'll be most of those. I think honestly, like of the ones that are toss ups, it's Jojo, Rabbit, The Farewell, and Joker. Or maybe even Little Women. I wouldn't be surprised if either of those three or four films are left off the table. But uh, they're all, I think, worthy of the recognition. Ultimately, I think it'll come down to Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and uh, Parasite for Best Picture. Maybe even The Irishman. I don't think 19... I would be shocked if 1917 gets Best Picture uh, win at the Oscars. Uh, Any other final thoughts before we move on? Uh, No, we'll just have to wait and see what happens Monday. I agree. All right, so that's the Week in Review. Now it's time for the main event. Our look at the year 2019. All right, so what we typically do with these looks at the year is first I go through the, the box office of the year, and then what we'll go through is we'll, we'll go through our picks for different categories that uh, we, we have here. So first of all, let me go through the top 10 films, highest grossing movies of the year. All right, so Shanna, I'm going to run through the uh, top 10 through 6 highest grossing movies of 2019. And then you tell me what you think the top 5 were, okay? Here we go. At $211.5 million. At number 10 is It Chapter 2. Then at number 9, 
$333.7 million, Joker. Then number eight, here comes Disney with $355.5 million, Aladdin. Number seven was Spider-Man Far From Home with $390.5 million and just being edged out by the number six highest grossing movie of the year, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, $390.7 million. I'm sorry, Star Wars is number six? Number six. Okay. So, Shanna, what do you think, well, take wild guesses, what the top five movies are. Just go ahead and just rattle off I'm five sorry, movies. I'm sorry, I got stressed out about Star Wars. Did you mention The Lion King already? No. Okay, so The Lion King is probably in there. Okay, Any four more picks. Avengers Endgame will be there. Okay, three more picks. Maybe Captain Marvel. Okay, two more picks. Probably Frozen 2. All right, and one more pick. Once upon a time in Hollywood, because I have high hopes for Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> you almost nailed all five movies. Oh man, it was it was the Quentin one that threw it off, right? Yes, it was. Um, that was number eighteen at one hundred forty-one oh, okay. million dollars. Well, that's pretty good. So number five was Captain Marvel, four hundred twenty-six point eight million dollars. Mm-hmm. Number four was Frozen Two at four hundred thirty million dollars. Number three, the movie you did not guess was Toy Story 4. Oh, I forgot about that. $434 million. And number two was The Lion King at $543.6 million. And number one was Avengers Endgame at $858.3 million, whole $300 million above the number two Lion King. Thankfully, there is some justice in the world. So... That's kind of a picture of what the year looked like. Disney was once again king of the box office this year, owning all but two movies uh, in the top ten, three movies in the top ten, all but um, Joker, It Chapter 2, and nope, that's it. <laughs> oh, oh no yeah so um wow. although sony pictures credits itself for spider-man far from home but um anyway you act like sony's the the kid in the group assignment yeah that didn't do anything well you know <laughs> shannon we're gonna start with your pick for the most overrated movie of the year what what is your most overrated movie of 2019? Probably probably Frozen 2. Okay. I think it's overrated. Yeah. I you know, I'm always happy if they have a sequel of some kind and it has loved characters, but Frozen 2 is overrated. It is the highest grossing got, animated got movie. Overgrossed. Yep. <laughs> is that a category? It's you're basically speaking to it, yeah. It uh, became the highest grossing animated movie of all time. So, and we were not fans of it overall. So that definitely qualifies. My pick for most overrated movie of 2019 is Toy Story 4. A oh, movie, that breaks my heart a little. <laughs> see? It's a movie that was highly praised. And I was not one of those that <laughs> praised it. I, I really thought that, you know, it really, Pixar really pushed their luck with number four. When number three ended the uh, Toy Story so perfectly. And instead, 
It ended the series on a note that I felt was a portrayal to everything that Woody fought for for three and a half whole movies. And uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Mm. Toy Story 4, my pick for most overrated movie of the year. Shanna, what was the best F-rated film of the year? F-rated, for those who are not aware, is any movie that is written and or directed by a woman. You know, this one was actually very difficult because I had three favorite F-rated films yeah. that I feel like are the best at everything. <laughs> but I had to go with Booksmart. Oh! Because it's, it's, it's just, it's so good. Every single line, every single body language, everything about this film. I mean, it's like... 10 times better than Mean Girls, you know, it, like, and I say that because I love Mean Girls and sure. I always watch it every birthday, but it's just, it's so, it's such an exciting film and it's like, there's so much variety and there's so much love and it's just, this is the best F-rated film. Very cool. Olivia Wilde. My pick for best F-rated film is The Farewell by Lulu Wang. <gasps> Yep, a beautiful film, very touching, very funny, very fascinating, too. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's just a beautiful film, and it probably won't be the last you'll hear about The, the Farewell in this episode or, or otherwise. Uh, check out the best and worst of 2019 on the blog. Shanna, what is your pick for... The biggest surprise of the year. The movie that exceeded your expectations. Okay, I, I know this might seem like a weak choice. Mm-hmm. But it was actually a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Because oh. I just, I really didn't know what we were going to get. And then when we went and watched it, I was so surprised, so relieved, so excited about mm. the direction it took. That is why it's there. That's fantastic. For me, it is Terminator Dark Fate. Oh, really? Yes. I had very low expectations, very cynical expectations for this film. I was exhausted of the Terminator franchise. I thought Sarah Connor, i.e. Linda Hamilton, was at best stunt casting. I didn't have the highest expectations. And the movie actually really worked. And... And I was a fan of it. I didn't think it was, you know, a top-tier sci-fi sequel or anything, but it was really damn good, and I was very impressed with much of the film. So it, it it's the film that exceeded my expectations the most by far. Shanna, what is the biggest disappointment for you in 2019? Uh, well... The biggest disappointment is Dark Phoenix. Although better than what came before, it should have been better. They had the time to do it. This film deserved more. I'm just, I'm horribly disappointed by it. I don't think that it's the actor's fault. Yeah. I think it's a producer's company. Writer, maybe? Writer, 
mm-hmm. whoever, but it's definitely not the ta- the 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 actors. Mm. It's not their fault. You know, that's a really good pick because that was our most anti- anticipated movie for two years running. For two years, two years. So it's it's really sad that it ended up in that category. For me, the biggest disappointment almost became the movie I didn't get just because. I feel like I, I I'm alone here, but it's Rocket Man, a oh, movie that that's a good choice. I think by all accounts I should have loved. I mean, it's a movie about El- Elton John, whose '70s work in particular is outstanding, and I absolutely love. It looked like it was going to be visually interesting. I thought it was going to be a wonderful Fantasia in some ways, a wonderful mm-hmm. ride. Just a beautiful film. And I thought, you know, if anything, I was kind of skeptical about Taron Edgerton as Elton John. And, you know, (laughs) the reality became the exact opposite. I was thrilled with Taron Edgerton's work. And the movie just absolutely did not connect with me. It was baffling to me. It played fast and loose with his music and Mm. his chronology and his life, his discography and everything. Sometimes I didn't know when we were. Sometimes I thought the song cues felt false or unnecessary. There's just so many things that I felt was wrong and disappointing about Rocket Man. You know, a, a movie, by the way, that's directed by the guy who finished Bohemian Rhapsody, which I, I absolutely adored. And this is the opposite experience. So mm-hmm. uh, Rocket Man, you know, and it's got like such a high score on Rotten Tomatoes, too. So I was like, I'm a shoe in for loving this movie. It was a crushing reality for me. Just a terrible experience, Rocket Man was. So that's my biggest disappointment of 2019. Shannon, what is the best overlooked movie of 2019 for you? This was hard for me, and especially especially difficult when it came to the Globes. Mm. But I think because of the, it was between the farewell and the last black man in San Francisco. But because of the Globe's lack of acknowledgement of last black man in San Francisco, that's the one that gets it. This is a stunning film. This film takes you on a journey. This film has little tiny fantastical cinematography in it Mm -hmm. to help really engage you in, in this in this really unsettling part of our history that's happening right before our eyes and i just i I feel like this needed this needed our attention and it it, it's not happening maybe it'll change with the oscar nominations Mm. but i really feel like this was a movie that should be appreciated and loved and needs instant criterion treatment Mm. and we're kind of nowhere right now with it well, uh, I'll tell you, this is a year that was full of overlooked movies. Movies that, you know, I talk about in my article on the best and worst of 2019 just did not get enough money, didn't get enough support in the theaters, didn't even really break $30 million. Movies like Book Smart, movies like Fighting with My Family, movies like Blinded by the Light. So many movies that should have been huge hits that just weren't. Uh, The Farewell was a modest success, actually, uh, you know. But, you know, 
we're on the same page here. My pick is also the last oh, black man in San Francisco. <gasps> I love you so much. <laughs> uh, I'll look at it a different direction here. First of all, if you look at the uh, the awards scorecard, it's not even in the top 13 movies of awards that's been earned or nominated. Uh, and also financially... This movie, I don't know what the budget is. I tried researching it. It's not published anywhere. Uh, I saw like a Kickstarter for like $75,000 or something like wow, that. That's not a lot of you money know, at all. It made $4.6 million. And again, I don't know what the budget is. Uh, I, I suspect it's way more than the Kickstarter was. But $4.6 million, it's really far down there in terms of grosses for the year and so yeah that was definitely a movie that did not get nearly enough attention and it's still not getting enough attention and it's one of the best movies of the year uh for many of the reasons that you just said so yeah best overlooked movie we agree last black man in san francisco shanna what is the movie that they didn't get that movie where it either was, it just was not critically well received or, you know, just in general, its reputation is not that great. But you're like, God damn it, that's a really damn good movie. Look, I know this doesn't make me look good given how the Globes went, but I felt like it was the Joker. I felt like so mm. many, so many film critics that we love hated it. Mm-hmm. And, and so many people that we know didn't didn't seem to be fond of it Mm. but it deals with such an important concept of if you as a society ignore the downtrodden and the ones that need our help the most this is what's going to happen you're going to have the joker nobody wants that Mm -hmm. and it's like this warning you know and in a non-preachy way the performances are amazing i actually wrote in notes here before the globes that i hoped joaquin phoenix would get recognized for his performance and he did i i really love this film mm-hmm. it, it's not for a good time it's for a hey where are we and how cool is it that instead of a superhero co- being commentary on our society we're actually looking at the top villain as commentary on our society mm-hmm. and which direction it could go yeah, you know, I considered the Joker for the same reason as you critically, but then at the same time, I've seen on social media so much praise from user accounts, from audiences uh, over that film. And also, the awards scorecard currently shows it as having 13 nominations, one win for Best Picture. So uh, it, it, I, it didn't work for me as the pick of the movie that they didn't get just because so many people. It's almost to the point where I think it's overrated in, to in, in certain corners. So for me, I went with The Dead Don't Die. Oh, that's a great pick. The Jim Jarmusch zombie comedy, which seemed to really divide people. People either get it or they don't. And I feel like a lot of people didn't get this movie. It's such a hilarious, dry, sort of meta commentary on our society and our addictions to certain, what do you call, privileges that we have in our uh, first world lives, you know? And it's a little bit bonkers, 
uh, and, and sometimes people are really put off by its sense of humor, but I've seen several of Jim Jarmusch's films, so I kind of knew what to expect. It was just a matter of whether or not this thing was going to be on the level of Only Lovers Left Alive in terms of quality, and I don't think it was that, but it was pretty darn good. If, you, if you're able to go along with the ride and get what it's going for here, the Dead Don't Die worked great for me, and yeah, I feel like it's the movie that they didn't get. So Shanna, on the other hand, what was the movie you didn't get? That movie that everybody's just Ugh. flipping over, that it's yeah. the greatest thing in the world, and you're like, really? Yeah. Okay, I know what this film is about. Mm-hmm. I understand what the film is going for. Yeah, I appreciate the performances, but I'm not thrilled about this film at all. All right. And it's The Irishman. <laughs> okay. This is hilarious. Did you look in my notebook? No. <laughs> no. All right. I mean, The Irishman, I, I'm not slamming anyone. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's covering her eyes right now. But I just, you know, there's no spice to it. There's <sighs> no flash. There's no lightning. There's, there's nothing. Yeah. And... <laughs> I just it does not deserve as much praise as it's getting. Mm-hmm. Other films deserve praise that it's getting. And it just it just pisses me off you know how many films do we need to have that that star only men. Well. And I, I just I just I have to fight not to be a sexist bitch <laughs> when it comes to how much acknowledgement this film is getting that it, it, it doesn't entirely deserve. Well, let me jump in here, if I may, because I, I actually can't believe it's it's my pick as well for the movie that I didn't get. And you're probably going to be way more nice and civil than I am. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. Like, you know, I was fairly positive on it when we reviewed the film an episode or two ago. But, you know, it is the movie that, for a while, people were salivating over. just going mm-hmm. nuts. Like, it was it was as though Scorsese had made his Raging Bull or his Taxi Driver or, you know... See, and this is why I'm his, struggling. His greatest films of, of the decade. It was, mm-hmm. like, one of the greatest things ever. It, it was, like, his Goodfellas once again or something. And, you know, it's a movie that's gotten 29 nominations. It's won four times for Best Picture. It's been on, like, numerous Best of the Year lists. And I I listen. I have listened to a lot of content discussing this movie, trying to see what is it I miss. And every single thing they explain about what's great about this movie, I'm like, yeah, I got that. I got that. I got that. I just – it did not connect with me. I don't get – What's so great about that? I mean, this this movie, it's very good, but I don't think most of what it's being praised for is nearly as great as people are saying it is. I mean, like, okay, first of all, it's 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 going through the whole thing is it's going through decades of this guy's life and it's as long as it is. So you actually feel like you spent that much time with the character and all these choices he's made and where did it get him in the end and we all end up dying anyway all i i get that 
But, like, am I... I don't know, man. I just didn't get what was so remarkable about that. And I feel like the whole aging thing, like, Boyhood did that better, like, seven years ago or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. And actually did it without digital trickery. Which, by the way, I didn't think worked that well in this movie. So, I don't know. Yeah, we're on the same page. The Irishman, the movie that we didn't get. And interestingly enough, on the Instagram poll I'm doing right now, which may or may not be over by the time you hear this, I don't know. Go ahead and check it out. But um, The Irishman was on the poll for best of the... best of the decade and i think maybe no best of the year and it got voted out pretty quickly and i'm seeing it on another account poll for best of the decade and it's getting voted out pretty quickly so i don't think it's connecting with that many in terms of audience either so i don't know yeah the irishman maybe i didn't get so let's move on i think we just have two more left the two biggies shanna what was the worst movie you saw in 2019. Look, I didn't watch everything this year, but I feel like the worst movie of 2019. Pause. Before you say that, since what? you brought it up, you didn't see everything. How many movies did you everything. see in 2019? Do you have an idea? I, I don't know. Probably just a few less than you. Okay. And, and for context, I saw, if my accurate my count is accurate, 67 films. And I know you didn't see every single movie I saw. So, so I probably, well, let's just say 42 because that's the great number. Okay, I know you saw more than that, but okay. Well, then so I'll say 52. Somewhere between 42 and mm. 60. All right, go ahead. So out of those, the worst movie was? The Lion King. <laughs> Carry on. Why is it the worst movie you saw? Do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to verbalize it? Yes, I have to verbalize it. Yes, and granted, oh we did review God. it, and people can listen to that episode, but go ahead. <laughs> it's so exhausting, you don't even you want to go into just, it. It's just so painful, Yeah, you know, to talk about about it. It was in 94, right? The original. The original yeah. was 94. Yeah. Let me tell you how amazing it was for South Africans to see that film. Okay. It was so wonderful. It was taking what we would see just about every day and i'm not talking about on the street like you know you could you know (laughs) we we learned about animals freaking constantly Mm -hmm. okay because we're south african and tourism is a big chunk of our economy blah 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 sure it was so amazing to see these animals uh what is it called when you people them when you people them? When you people them. Are you, you talking about anthropomorphizing? And, thank you, anthropomorphizing. Okay. All right. Peopled. Yeah. And it was just so sweet and it was so subtle and, you, you know, it was just a little bit extra yeah. of, of what these animals are really like. Yeah. A lot of appreciation for that film. We go and we watch it and it's, it's just the display of Disney's. I love Disney love them (laughs) it's just a display of their i guess abuse of power filmmaking like greed yeah and it's like oh really and because it it was it was like they were trying to do frame by frame the only thing that was good you know when you're going to make something live action you've got to improve You've got to improve. You've got to remake you've got anything. To, you've got to bring about another concept. You've got to shed some light on things that were not shed light on before. And mm-hmm. it just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. The best part of that film was Wimbaway. 
the lion sleeps tonight. The, the, yeah. the other good part about it that only slightly makes it worth being a live action, but everything else, it should have all been like that, is the hyena depiction. Oh. And All right, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, this film just drives me fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm sure it's important to a lot of other people out there, but this, 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 this pissed me off. Well, the tragedy is it's a whole generation's Lion King now, but, uh, and it's only a third not of a good movie. our child's generation. Right. Yeah. We're yeah, not doing yeah. that. No, that was a great pick. And I do welcome for more thoughts on that. People check out our Lion King review from back in May, I think it was. But Shanna, I had seven other movies worse than that on my list. Several of which people can check out on the best of and worst of 2019 oh, I article. The worst of article. My, That's always you. fun. My pick for worst is Ma, starring Octavia Spencer. This movie, Tate Taylor is the director, and um, he, I just, no, I will not go back to that well ever. This guy has not proven himself to be that great. The Help from 2012 is his most praised film, and I think that is a terrible movie. That made your worst list too that year. Yes, it did. And I know that he and Octavia Spencer are buddies, and I know I've been, like, last year I, or the year before, I was saying, hey, you know, it'd be great if Octavia Spencer did something different. Maybe not with Tate Taylor, because this movie is, like, really poorly developed, really poorly written, which I think Tate Taylor had a hand in the writing. Her character just doesn't quite make sense. The third act just is just nonsense. It's not even, like, fun, guilty, pleasure, off-the-rails trash. It's just, like, what the hell was this? Uh, this isn't even that great a villain. Like, what is this character thinking kind of thing? And it's just it's just not good. It's just not good. And it was the only movie to really exceed Rocket Man for me in terms of, no, this is actually kind of bad. Mm. So, yeah, Ma. Ma is my pick for worst movie of the year. And that's all I have to say about that. Shanna. I will say that mm. I wasn't exposed to a lot of bad things. Yes, I took a lot of bullets for you. Yeah. <laughs> you got very lucky. And, you know, several films I saw this year were just like, bleh. You know, they weren't god-awful or unwatchable. They just weren't that great, you know. But Ma was just legit bad. So, Shanna, what was the best film? To, to end on a good note, what was the best movie of 2019 that you saw? The thing is, I was fairly happy with this year. Okay. And there's a lot that I feel deserve that spot. Oh, okay. So it was a tough decision. It's I'm still trying to make it. Oh, seriously? <laughs> it's like it's like when you when you want to order food and you can't decide, so you're like, okay, you guys order and I'll make the last minute decision. That is what I'm going through right now. <laughs> Okay. So when we're saying best movie, are we saying best favorite movie or no, like no, the no. best film we'll, made? We'll get to the fa- favorites soon enough. So but it's like, like the best one made. The best best film, hands down, that you saw as objectively Fuck. as you can. What, <laughs> what, what was it this year? Oh, my gosh. Do you need me to, to go first? You should go first. We should totally <laughs> restaurant this. You order first. All right. Then I'll do it. All right. I will. It, and again, you can... Check out my full list of the best films of the year on the GibsonReview.com. But my number one with a bullet is Marriage Story. The Noah Baumbach film 
starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver as a couple that is divorcing, you know, in a year that is full of films about the Trump era, that is full about, like, films about the 1% or immigration or whatever it is, the privileged and the haves and the have-nots. We have a personal film about two people who love each other but just can't have a life together. And it is... And they love their son. So, yes, it is so beautiful. It is so touching. It is so relatable. It's funny. It's everything. It's just extraordinarily acted. You know, being someone who's gone through a similar breakup, thankfully without the legalities, you know, there's a lot to relate to here. The wonderful thing about this couple is they have a constant which is love and respect for each other even when they fight they they say things that they don't ultimately mean it's just i don't know i have yet to see a noah bombach film that hit me as well as marriage story did as as completely capital g great as that film so uh for more you know i go into a lot more about it so you can check it out at the uh, at the gibson review.com for for more thoughts on marriage story plus i think we reviewed it um in the last episode too so you can hear those thoughts too but shanna did that buy you enough time to figure it out no because you were talking about it and i started tearing up because like you're so right all right (laughs) like what am i gonna do Look, if I had to pick something objectively as the best film of the year, I think I would have to put The Farewell up there. Okay. I like it in that spot because <laughs> I feel <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's like what you said. We have all these different films in all these different eras about these different things. I like this one because it shows how difficult being an immigrant can be you love that you're here you love that you're making it work in the country you always wanted to be in Mm. but it is so hard to have family back in your home country oh yeah it's so hard it's it's so indescribable and the farewell describes it that that's a totally legit and awesome pick you may read something about it if you check out my list of the best and worst of 2019 do you quote me at the gibsonreview.com <laughs> no i don't do not don't, don't oh, I think I okay. quote you. Very but cute. um but yeah that, that's that's awesome pick that's awesome so those yeah. those are our picks for all of those different categories including the best and worst of 2019 but what do you think of what are your picks feel free to email us at the gibsonreview at gmail.com all right, so we're running really far behind here. I apologize, but let's dive into... We just missed you guys so much, and we want to chat. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> let's dive into film faves, which is the next category um, or section of the podcast. Film faves, for those of you who are not familiar or new to the podcast, film faves is our opportunity to count down our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic, often marching backwards through time. In these in these situations where we're looking at the year, it's our opportunity to really celebrate our favorites of the year. 
part of it's to kind of give you a sense of our taste in film, but also hopefully expose you to things that maybe you missed or you hadn't heard of before. And to that end, we try to direct you to where you could find films available to stream. Of course, most movies are not necessarily available to stream on on certain platforms, but we do try what we can. We focus on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Now, and Disney Plus. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. I think that's all the ones that we focus Disney on. Disney so. Plus is our new one. Yeah, so if anything is on any of those platforms, we will let you know that you can find it on there. So I guess let's just get into it. Shannon, before you talk about your number 12 favorite movie of the year, did you have any thoughts about crafting this list? Did you have any challenges at all? Any impressions yeah. on the year? Anything at all about uh, craft the process of making your list of favorite films? I think I appreciated a lot of films this year. My list kind of takes a huge chunk of it is movies that are able to talk to you about truths, are able to connect with your humanity, mm. are able to connect with me personally. There was actually a lot of good stuff this year. And... For a while, I thought there wasn't, but then when making the list, I realized how hard it was yeah. to get my list from 17 to 12. I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is a great problem to have. Yeah. Yay, first world kind problems. Kind of embarrassment of riches. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, really, really good stuff. Very cool. So what did you land on as your number 12? My number 12 is Little Woman. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally just made the decision that it was my number 12 as well. So why? Oh, it's so great that we're insane. <laughs> so why was it your really number twelve? We are movie lovers. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. Um, it was number twelve because I didn't know where else to put it. Okay. I hadn't had time to really process. Is it better than any of the others I've listed, or is it really more of a favorite than any of the others listed? Sure. Is a better way to say it. Yeah. So I put it at number twelve because I was like, well. What used to be at number 12, I like this one more. What was that? Uh, it was Long Shot. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Even though I appreciate like Like I said, I appreciate a lot of films this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Little Woman, it's there because of the cast, because of the story, because of the respect, because of Greta Gerwig, because of the intimacy, because of the connectivity that this family has for each other. Mm-hmm. And I put it on my list because uh, for me, when crafting the list, it was about the experience. What gave me the best experiences this year? And I had such an emotional engagement with this movie, which is a big piece of why, how a movie becomes a favorite for me. You know, I we, we literally just talked about this movie a little bit ago. And, and what I enjoyed and appreciated most about this movie, and it really was all those elements combined together that, yeah, it squeaked onto the list because of that. So Little Women's my 12th favorite movie of 2019 as well. Shanna, what is your number 11 favorite movie of 2019? My number 11 is Avengers Endgame. Really? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's... It's Avengers. It had to get on there. It's the closing of a successful, what do you call it? Series? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's going to keep going in a way. Yeah. You know, this was just so enjoyable. It was so exciting. I think we watched it two or three times in the cinema. Yeah. It, it was really fun. I liked what happened in it to certain people. 
So it was a lot of fun. Very cool. My number 11 is actually Terminator Dark Fate. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, really, really. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mackenzie Davis is a part of that. The the ideas that it's playing with is a part of that. The fact that it's dealing with immigration. The fact that, you know, an immigrant is a savior of humanity is, uh, you know, it adds a surprising layer to the film. The action really worked for me. You know, the, the villain could have been better developed, let's be honest. So... I wish that was better, you know, but there's so much about the movie that was thrilling and it was a big surprise for me. It worked way better than I expected it to. So, yeah, it's number 11 on my favorites list of 2019. That's Terminator Dark Fate. My number 10 is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Is it? Yeah. I love this movie. We have reviewed this movie. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun to review this movie. It was a lot of fun to go watch it twice. It was twice. our uh, bonus episode, by the way. You guys can check it out on your podcaster. I I love the direction it went. Not as much as uh, the previous one, but it was still enjoyable and had, I thought, a really appealing end. All right. All right. We might hear a little bit more, you know, being a Star Wars couple about that one. But for right now, my number 10 was Longshot, which you can oh, find on HBO now. I just rewatched this sort of casually while trying to create a poll on Instagram, which took a, most of the movie. But, you know, Charlize Theron and, and Seth Rogen are just uh, spectacular in it. Uh, Charlize Theron, man, I think I have a mad crush on Charlize. It's really. Uh, she's absolutely gorgeous in that movie, first of all, but also, like, she could do anything. Come on. I don't know if I've seen her in a horror... Have I seen her in a horror film? I don't know. Maybe she needs to do more horror, but she definitely needs to do more Maybe comedy. she doesn't. <laughs> she needs to do more comedy, for sure, because, damn, she's got some comedic chops that are totally underutilized, and she's she's really funny in this movie. It has a, you know, great supporting comedic cast as well, it's not a great movie. It's not one of the best, but it was definitely like a movie that needed more, that should have gotten more attention. It was, it was a really pretty darn good comedy. That, if you haven't seen it, check it out on HBO now. Long Shot, starring Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. A very, very good film. Shannon, what was your number nine film, favorite film of the year? My number nine is available on HBO. It is Us. Jordan Peele's story of a family trying to have a vacation near the beach, mm-hmm. uh, being confronted by doppelgangers, and lots and lots to say in between everything that happens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's a lot going on in this film. You've got Alice in Wonderland themes. You've got uh, racism. You've got... What else do you the have? The haves and have-nots. Haves and have-nots again. Um, yeah. uh, you know, you've got a lot of symbolic stuff happening. You've got a lot of subtle things being said about racism. and mm. oh, Privilege. Just, yeah, just a lot of stuff happening here. We reviewed it. I tried to talk about it. I couldn't because there's just so much that happens in this film that I can't verbalize. Mm. That movie was yeah. on my list until our, we rewatched it, and there was just a few things that just didn't 
hold up on a second viewing for me that um, made it fall off of my favorite. I have list. to say, Lupita Nyong'o's performance in this is amazing. It is. Yes. It's striking. Yes. She's doubling up. You know, it's it's it must have been exhausting. I really hope she gets recognition for her performance. It, yep, absolutely. I concur. But my number nine still ended up being fighting with my family. That's great. Another big surprise of the year. Not as much as Terminator Dark Fate, obviously, because I didn't have nearly the low expectations that I had. With regard to fighting with my family, I did expect it to be fairly standard film, and it actually surprised me uh, how much it has going on in it. It has, you know, some interesting stuff with how women relate to each other, how women make assumptions about each other. It has some really interesting stuff about, you know, the family dynamics of someone who grew up doing a thing and excelling in that thing, despite maybe not wanting that thing as much as other members of the family. It's based on a true story. It was the first thing that really kicked off this huge, fantastic year of of Florence Pugh, who I think was had, had the best breakout year mm. of anybody in 2019, uh, between this and Midsommar and and Little Women. Uh, Little Women's probably the better of the three, but still, she's fantastic in all of it. And Fighting with My Family is another movie that I thought was largely overlooked. Uh, it didn't earn a whole lot of money. It should have been given way more attention. So... Fighting with My Family is my ninth favorite movie of 2019. Shanna, what's your number eight? My number eight is Jojo Rabbit. Very cool. Yeah, this one is about the boy who has his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, helping him, I guess, with Nazi kid camp. Yeah, he's being indoctrinated into yeah, Nazi youth. All the called. propaganda. Yep. And... This is a great film. This, you know, it's by Taika Waititi. Mm. It's it's got a lot of humor in it. It's it's got a lot of innocence in it. It's a reminder of you know there were kids that were being indoctrinated, and here's what it looks like, and it's not a good thing. And mm. you know there were brilliant performances by Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Taika Waititi. It's you know he's good at this. You yep. know that. You know, Roman Davis is the boy. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say Rebel Wilson is in it. She's so much fun. Alfie Allen. I loved seeing him. He's from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And Sam Rockwell, of course. Just I, I loved Sam and Alfie's chemistry. Very cool. Very cool. My number eight is a movie that I think I'm bordering on talking to death. It is Marriage Story. It is available on Netflix, I think, for reasons why it's one of my favorites. A, refer to earlier on this podcast, and B, refer to our 2019 roundup where we really kind of get into a review of that film without, I think we do a spoiler-free review of that movie, but we do get into a lot of our thoughts on, on that film and why... I connected with it so so much. What was so great about it? So, uh, it is my number eight favorite film of 2019, Marriage Story on Netflix, of course. Shannon, what is your lucky number seven? Oh, 
my number seven is available on Prime. It's a documentary. It is One Child Nation. Oh, wow. So Another ch- movie that was on the 2019 roundup, I think. Oh. Oh, well, great. So this is a documentary about China's one child per family policy. It shows us what that involved. It, it shows mm-hmm. abortions, forced abortions being taken place uh it shows us essentially human traff organized governmental human trafficking taking place mm. a really important view into how this law affects women families children siblings yes a darn good film and a surprise uh, mention on your list i'm very impressed i don't even think i have a documentary on my list but we will see about that mm. My number seven was Spider-Man Far From Home. Really? A movie that kind of exceeded some of my expectations. I knew it was going to be cool, but I didn't expect it to necessarily have any topical, you know, undercurrents about it. I, I really surprised and impressed with how well they adapted Mysterio, one of Spider-Man's main villains in the comics. Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic in it. But yeah, it's a fun film. It was a thrilling film. It was a surprisingly intelligent film at times. And yeah, it's my number seven. Favorite movie of 2019, Spider-Man. Far From Home, it actually kicked Captain Marvel's butt off of this list, actually. A movie that seems like it was forever ago that it came out, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I thought I thought Spider-Man Far From Home had more going on in it. Shannon, we are at the halfway point. What is your number six favorite film of 2019? My number six is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh. Mm-hmm. I've praised this already. Uh, it's a story of a, a man trying to figure out where his home is, trying to figure out how to get his home in a very quickly changing city, um, that's forgetting about a lot of people. I can't say enough good things about this film. Mm. The The best way to sum it up is it deserves the Criterion treatment now. It's one hell of a directorial debut. That's for darn sure. I hope we By get Joe to, Talbot. Yeah, I hope we mm-hmm. get to see more from Joe Talbot despite the grosses on this film. You know, and the performances are amazing. Mm-hmm. You've got Jimmy Fails. Who nobody knows who Jimmy Fails is. I mean, he's not like a well-known name or anything. So if you're like, who the hell is Jimmy Fails? Don't feel bad, <laughs> you know. But I believe you know. this is his his only credit right now. But it, I could be wrong. It's, he's got a lot of stuff coming up. And um, the story is based on his life in some ways too. So they they kind of work together on. Bringing I like Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. He's wonderful. We've got Rob Morgan. We've got Danny Glover in here for a little bit. Yeah. It, like people need to watch this film. They really do. Go out and get it. Perfect. Awesome. I agree. However, my it's number- available on Prime. Sorry. Oh, thanks yeah. for thanks for bringing that to attention. Uh, Amazon Prime. Last Black Man in San Francisco. However, my number six is Jojo Rabbit. Now, I don't necessarily buy into the best film of the year talk for this movie. I don't even know that I would argue this is one of Taika Waititi's best films, period. But, seriously? Yeah, seriously. After all it took for us to get to watch it. <laughs> the journey we had to go through. I'm trying to remember that. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that was ridiculous. 
Uh, she's referring to the fact that we had to drive all an hour almost to get to it. And then, of course, two weeks later, it opens even wider to our theater. It was such nonsense. Anyway, so, but I will say that the experience, I just really enjoyed the experience of watching this film. Every minute of it, I really enjoyed. I, I uh, really dug what Taika Waititi was doing here. And his imaginary Hitler friend is hilarious. It's just absolutely hilarious. And, uh, you know, Sam Rockwell's great as always. And it's the cast in general. Some are underused, I think. Some could have been given more time. But the whole story, everything is just wonderful and delightful. It's just so charming and cute, if you could say that about Nazis. Yeah. It's good at depicting german people as people in a nazi time yes remembering their humanity that yeah. there were people who had humanity yes i agree with that and that's why i don't agree with the criticism the accusations that taika waititi is making light of a terrible situation i i just don't buy that reading of the film at all but anyway uh it is my sixth favorite movie of 2019 shanna what is your number five my number five needs to be purchased as soon as it becomes available uh-huh stellar cast uh-huh amazing performances wonderful director okay. wonderful story uh-huh. i'm super excited about the possibility of sequels it is knives out that's my number five as well oh I just, you know, I love whodunits. I love this whodunit. I wish I got to see it again. I don't know. Maybe we can watch it again tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> that would be so cool. I, I just, I love everybody in this film. Yeah. I love, I love it all. I, I, I don't know what else to tell you. You know, this movie is so good. I, how many times have we seen this? Once or twice? We've only seen it once. I wanted to see it twice. It feels like we've watched it twice. And that's not a, a diss on the movie at all. Just you know, it just stuck with me so well, and it almost makes me feel bad about having it ranked at number five. I, I kind of want to move it up on my list, uh, closer to number one. It's just such a solid ride. It's so so smartly written. Just it's it's one of those things that's like you know I want to see more of Daniel Craig's character solving mysteries, but. Is Ryan Johnson able to pull it off twice? I don't know. Like, it's a really tough genre to pull off and be so smart. Yet, he does in this. Everything pays off so well. And it even has a really topical, timely subtext to it Mm -hmm. that just really takes it to another level. It's fantastic. It, It is definitely... I mean, the guy hasn't made a lot of movies, but... You know, this is definitely one of his two or three f- best films so far. Uh, so, Knives Out, I, I'm right on the same page with you about that one. Number five for me. Shanna, what is number four for you? Number four is Parasite. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we've spoken a bit about this film already. Mm-hmm, because we reviewed it earlier this episode. Yep. Yeah, and... Uh... But what did you love about it? What is it your one of your favorites? The cinematography was—I mean, all the elements were there, and all the elements were pristine. My favorite Uh, word. Um, (laughs) Yes, it's it's your word of 2019. It's my word. (laughs) It's taking place in a a really cool 
house. There's、mm. a very special architect that made the house.、Mm. It's really cool. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. It's just, you know, I, I, I really loved what it was about. I love that it was ultimately about family.、Mm. I love that. There was some mystery to it. I love that something unexpected happened and it was just truly bizarre. One unexpected thing after another. Yeah. And it continues until the very last second. Yeah. Well, I think the highest compliment about this film is the, how much it made you want to dig into not only the rest of Bon Joo Ho's、mm-hmm. uh, career, but also Korean films in general, too. I do seem to really like Korean films. Yes, you have mentioned this before. Yes. yes. Well, there it goes again. <laughs>、uh, my fourth favorite film of 2019 is Book Smart, actually, it, which is available on Hulu, by the way. So if you were silly enough to miss this thing in theaters and you weren't alone, just charge up your Hulu and, and get on it tonight. It's a hilarious movie, it's incredibly smart. So clever. You the, won't regret it. The characters are just absolutely fantastic. The relationship with each other is one of the best friendships I've ever seen on screen. You know, I think we might have done a friendship list in the past, but this would have made my list of best、mm-hmm. movie, or favorite movies of friendship. And it makes me want so badly to see what else can pour from Olivia Wilde's mind, you know? What else she's capable of as a creator, as a director? And I, I don't know if she has anything else coming up, but I'm hopeful that she does because this is such a great calling card. And it's, it's a hilarious film, Book Smart is. So it's number four with a bullet on Hulu for me. All right, Shanna, what is your third favorite movie of 2019? My number three is Marriage Story. Really? Yeah. I didn't expect that to be on your list. Oh, of course it's on the list. You know, there's, there's a lot of moments in this movie that are relatable whether you are being, getting divorced or not.、Mm. And the performances are just out of this world. I feel like this was Adam Driver's year. I feel like he's having a cool year. Mm-hmm. Given, yes. Given all the different things he's in. Yeah, Dead Don't Die, Marriage Story, Rise of Skywalker. Anything else?、Uh, there might be one other thing. Solid year. It's, yeah.、Uh, Scarlett Johansson, I mean, she's someone that needs more recognition as well. She needs an actual award, you know, not just a nomination. Yeah, I mean, I'm reluctant to say、mm-hmm. that Scarlett Johansson is underappreciated <laughs> or what have you, but. Uh, definitely. Just a little bit. I feel like we need just a little bit more appreciation. Fair enough. You know, I like this film for the same reasons you like this film. Look, when I was a teenager, I watched Stepmom, and that's a story that, that deals with not only motherhood, but also the, you know, a relationship that ended, and now you've got to try and be okay with each other because you share children.、Mm. And I feel like, you know, this might have hit me hard too as a teen. You know, if you were a teen, if I was a teen、it. watching it, yeah, okay, you know, I would recommend it to teenagers who want to know what, what it's really like to be in a relationship because sometimes it can end, and this is what it could look like. Fair enough, fair enough. My third favorite film, it's reluctantly at number three right now. At the time when I placed it at number three, it was like, they're solid, 
solid third favorite film. Now, over time, I've had more time to think about it or or watch it again and stuff. I'm like, hmm, you know, this is what makes me think that Knives Out shouldn't be number five necessarily. But right now, reluctantly, it's number three is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Here's why it's on my list and why it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Because it was such an emotional experience. It was such a fun experience in the theater. It wasn't it wasn't one of the best um, Star Wars movies of of late, but man, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, the reason why I'm I'm kind of like reluctantly number 3 is because it's probably the most problematic of the the latest trilogy in that it is redux of the Jedi and you know it's repeating return of the Jedi's plot points especially in the third act it's not nearly as original as as its predecessor was mm-hmm. it doesn't go in any original daring or exciting new directions that it could have but there is enough in the movie for me to really enjoy it and have a really good time with it and be satisfied enough with a lot of the things that it lands on at the end. So, so yeah, you know, it's still a favorite. Absolutely. 100%. Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Shanna, what is your second favorite movie of 2019? Not your favorite, but your second favorite. <laughs> My second favorite is The Farewell. Wow, I, really? I've, you know, I've praised this film a lot. Yeah. It's a film that deals with a Chinese family discovering that grandma has cancer and I think it's like it's it's one of the bad stages it's like stage four or three yeah three or four yeah you know it's really bad it's like oh she's only gonna live a few more weeks and they decide not to tell her and this is common practice in Chinese culture apparently where you it's not the cancer that kills you it's the fear of the cancer that kills you you know I just relate the family puts on a wedding to bring all the family together so that they can essentially say goodbye to grandma, you know, be with grandma one more one more time. And there's just so much in this film that I as an immigrant can relate to. Aquafina left China, I think when she was five, her character left China when she was five. So she remembers things, she recognizes things, but think everything has changed. Mm-hmm. And you forget that if you leave, everything's going to change. Mm-hmm. And when you come back, it's very unsettling. It's like reverse culture shock or something to that effect. And I just really appreciate what they do with that story. Yeah, I really want to rewatch that film because it's been several months since we <laughs> saw it. So beautiful film. Awesome. Very surprising to see it as your second favorite. My second favorite film is also one of those most overlooked movies of the year. It did not gross much. Um, I think it had a $17 million budget. And no, it had a $15 million budget. And it grossed 17.7 domestically. I think only a couple more million internationally. And it's a damn shame. It's Blinded by the Light by Gurunda Chada, who's a director we've talked and sung praises of before many, many times. We might have even reviewed this movie, I think, um, in August when it came out. And it was my second favorite experience in the theaters because it captures so much so well 
Bruce Springsteen is, is one of my favorite musicians. I have many favorite musicians, but he's one of my favorite musicians. So to see a love letter on screen to his music, particularly of his early 80s era, I think the movie takes place in 1987. It focuses mostly on, you know, the stuff leading up to that with a couple exceptions, especially Born in the USA album and uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. I think maybe Born to Run as well. But and also the, the just the feeling that music can have that, that you can have for mu- for music, the the just inf- the infectious joy that you can have for music uh, is beautifully captured. Uh, there is a sequence to Born to Run in this film that is just pure joy. It's just just absolute joy in the purest sense, and I don't know that i saw a scene in all of 2019 that is more joyful than that sequence in blinded by the light and then on top of it all granchada has this like political stuff going on that ties it to today mm-hmm. and makes it even more relevant and takes it to a whole nother level and it's just a wonderful film i think it's possibly her best film of her career at this point and uh it you know you really need to check it out i wish it was available as stream but it just came out on the rental market so maybe soon you'll find it on amazon prime or something like that keep an eye out for blinded by the light my second favorite movie of the year what is shanna your favorite movie of 2019 it's book smart oh it's available on hulu we already spoke about that i should not be surprised you know, this is this is just such a great film. It's the film that's about two graduating high school students. They're graduating the next day, the day before they realize they haven't partied, and they totally could have. So they decide they're going to put all of high school partying into one night. Mm-hmm. Everything and anything happens. <laughs> because they assumed that their classmates who were like partying and having a good time all the time they they assumed that they weren't getting they, anywhere. They assumed that they had to f- they had to pick one. Yeah. And either study or have a party. good time. Yeah. And these kids worked their butts off. They had a good time and they studied because they all got in to different places like Harvard and uh, I don't know what else. Is I wish special. our son saw this movie so he'd be like, you know what, you can slack <laughs> off and work your ass off too. Okay, you great. Know? That's super. That's not the direction I was going. Um, <laughs> You know, everyone's performances are great. You've got Caitlin De- Dever, yeah. Beanie Fieldstein, uh, Jessica Williams is one of the teachers. You've got Lisa Kudrow as the mom. Will Fort is the dad, I Forte, believe. Yeah. Who else have we got here? That's amazing. A lot of people. Skylar Jacinto, is that how you say that? But yeah. he's really fun. He is. Billy, he's, yeah, he's very surprising, actually. Billy Lord is in here. She, For those of you who forgot, that's Carrie Fisher's daughter. Yeah. And she's fucking amazing. Each and every one of these characters is amazing. Yeah. And like when you watch it, you're like, you know, what group, which one of these kids was I, you know? And it's just mm. really fun to look at. And it's the story is told with so much love. Yeah. So much love for teenagers, uh, it, you know, who can be difficult to love sometimes. Yeah, it doesn't Let's talk be honest. down or look down on them at all. It's very respectful. It's very empowering. <clears throat> it's what I wanted to be when I was in high school. Every beat, every bit of dialogue is driving the story forward and making it amazing. Awesome. And my favorite movie of 2019 was Avengers Endgame. Of course it was. 
the single greatest experience in the theater in 2019 mm-hmm. was with this film for me because I cried at least three times. Oh, God. That's right. Not because I was sad, generally. Although, like, there was a couple scenes that moved me to tears because I was I was moved to tears out of pure joy. You know, it was just... There's sequences in this film, especially in the third act, that are just so overwhelming. As a comic book fan, as someone who grew up with these characters, more or less, fantasizing about superheroes on the screen, reading comics and seeing these huge splash pages of all these different characters in these epic battles, to see that reflected on screen was everything to me it just overloaded my senses and i just could not i could not contain myself this movie was everything i hoped it would be you know i mean it's very hard to pay off something as epic as what they were pulling off here is more often than not let's face it we get disappointed by the results you know i mean like i think rise of skywalker is a pretty good example of you know people being disappointed mm. by by what everything led up to you know and and here is a similar situation it took 12 years for them to go from a to b here and, and it could have broken at any point any point and not, ca- not it ended it could have landed with a thud and but no like the russo brothers like stuck the landing in the best possible ways imaginable so yeah, Avengers Endgame is an extraordinary experience for me and my favorite experience of 2019. Still my favorite film of 2019. I love it. I love it. I love it. But what are your favorite movies of 2019? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com or any of our favorites, your favorites. Let us know. We'd be interested. Um, that'll do it for us in this look back at the year 2019 sorry that it was tardy thank you for listening and uh hopefully it was still of interest to you shannon why don't you tell people where they can find you online before we talk about what uh people can find else in january if you so desire i am on instagram at shanna underscore paxton underscore photography so make sure you go to thegibsonreview.com. That is the main blog. It has the best and worst of 2019. All the Movie Lovers episodes are on there as well. You can stream from the site. You can also find the best of 2010 series. Hopefully very soon you'll find the final articles of the best of 2010s. Those have also been delayed by about a week where you'll find my picks for the 10 best films of the decade and after that i will post an article of the hundred best of the decade and my picks for the 10 worst films of the decade you can also of course follow on instagram i'm very active on instagram the gibson 99 i have instagram story polls for you to pick best of things right now is the best of the decade. Uh, it's like a seven round series uh, tiebreakers, notwithstanding. I also have a Facebook page, the Gibson review on Facebook. It's not as prolific, but it's there. It's somewhat active. What else? Find this podcast on iTunes. Well, it's not iTunes anymore. Apple podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, 
uh, follow us, leave reviews if possible, whatever you could do to help other movie lovers find this podcast. I think that's most of it. Oh, the flick chart. I'm on the flick chart. I, need, I just updated flick chart for 2019. Uh, find me on there also on the Gibson 99. Okay, so very soon here. We're going to try to get back on track. It's crunch time for us in order to do that. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. But the next official episode of The Movie Lovers will be our look at the decade. The best of the 2010s episode. Uh, We might have a little bit of weekend review, but the whole episode will be all about the decade itself. And then... Sometime this month, around that time, look for a bonus episode where we talk about what we're looking forward to in 2020. It'll be our 2020 preview. So look for the next episode, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, the 21st, Tuesday, 21st of January. That is 10 days from the day that we are recording. So um, I'm I'm looking at you, Shanna, so you know. Uh, Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying goodbye.